Now we'll take, take a few moments and turn to the Word of God and be taught out of the Scriptures. And last week I announced uh, to you, as I believe I maybe said a few words about it at the start of the service, uh, that we have begun a regular prayer meeting uh, here at Red Door Church, and it's every second and fourth Wednesday nights of the month um, at 6 p.m., um, sort of wrestling with maybe making a slight adjustment to that time, um, still praying and sort of thinking through that, but it'll be either 6, 7, somewhere in that neighborhood, I think, for the foreseeable future. But this past Wednesday, we had our first meeting, and it was a, a sweet time, an intimate time, a small group together here praying, and I just want to extend thanks to those who came and participated and encourage more of you to come out to that prayer meeting and lift your burdens and your joys uh, to the Lord in prayer uh, corporately with us. The meeting was sparked because the Lord has been burdening me and a few others here at the church to spend a more concentrated time in devoted prayer. And so this is our response to that sense of burden that a number of us are feeling. So as we start up a new effort here in prayer, I thought it only right and good that we take some time to think a little bit more about prayer. So again, this morning, my topic will be just that. We're going to think a little bit more and talk more about prayer. And before I invite Miss Megan forwards to read, um, I want to draw your attention here. I can't remember if I made the adjustment in the bulletin or not. Nope, not in the bulletin. Okay. So I decided um, instead of just uh, looking at Luke 11, 5 to 8, we're going to look at that whole section, um, Luke 11, 1 to 13, which really captures more of the story and what's uh, going on there. So we're going to be in Luke 11, verses 1 to 13 this morning, and Miss Megan will read. Thank you, sweetie. I'm glad you said that because I would have just read what was on there. <laughs> That's fine. We always have those last minute things. Anyway, let's read. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which one of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. 
And let me pray one more time as we come to the word. Lord, not every Sunday I remember to pray over the word. But Lord, we do now. We pause and we recognize that this is not just any book. This is a special kind of book. One that you have overseen and moved along through your Holy Spirit, the writers. And what we have before us is something sacred, something holy, something special, something come directly from you, your very words. Lord, if we were to have a, uh, a king or a great uh, leader here in our midst, we might spe- pay special attention to their words. How much more then should we not hear the words of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God of the universe? Let us humble ourselves in our hearts as we hear you speak to us, Lord, through your word. And may I open it up faithfully in a way that honors you and brings you all praise and glory. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the most encouraging things you can do right now for your spiritual life, which we could all use some encouragement, I think, right now. So I'm I'm saying this as a way of please do this, okay? Is to go and pick up a good Christian biography and read about someone who lived their life for Jesus. Someone who did something hard for the Lord. Someone whom we might say we look up to and who walked the road faithfully. I cannot tell you how many times a good biography has lifted me up out of the pits and put me on the mountain with God. I want to encourage you to do that. We have some in our in our church library, or if you need some guidance, feel free to speak to me. I've got a whole bunch of books I would recommend in my library, but please do that. And one of the reasons I think this um, this practice or this uh, this way of finding encouragement is what it is, is because you have these living examples of very imperfect, flawed, messed up people that the Lord uses mightily. We know our own sins and our own struggles and flaws. So how encouraging it is to look at someone else who's lived for Jesus, who is imperfect and flawed, that the Lord used. I think this is the power of the recent movie, Jesus Revolution, which I've yet to see it. Have any of you guys out there seen that one? I think a number of you have seen that one. You've got God using imperfect people to accomplish his purpose, and that encourages us and motivates us. When you read or hear stories of Christians that have gone before us, inevitably there are going to be stories about prayer. You're going to hear about ways that God shows up in response to heartfelt prayer. And it's always such an encouragement. God hears prayer. He knows us and takes care of us. We could give many examples of answers to prayer here. I'm sure you've heard stories just recently. Or maybe you have your own stories of God showing up in response to your prayers in amazing ways. And just recently I was talking with a woman in our church downstairs during fellowship hall. And she was re recounting um, one of these remarkable answers to, to prayer. She and a good friend have been praying for the church and for the town and for the state with frequency, meeting together every week, 
uh, just the two of them, asking God to bring renewal and revival to our state. She recounted to me just a couple of weeks ago, again down at coffee hour, um, she was telling God in this time of prayer with this, with this friend of hers, Lord, when the revival comes, please do not forget Vermont, she prayed. Those words exactly. Please don't forget Vermont. Let us be a part of what you're doing. She then went home and turned on the Christian, a Christian news station that she often watches And one of the anchors said that God can do a work in the darkest of places, quote, even in Vermont. That's what was said on this radio station. It was like God was speaking right to her, saying, I hear you. I haven't forgotten you and the state you love. Isn't that remarkable, that story? It's such a special thing to hear stories of other believers as God hears their prayers and responds to them. One of my favorite stories is of a North African woman named Monica. Monica raised a brilliant but rebellious son. She had sent him to the best schools and sought to raise him in the ways of the Lord. She warned him against the passions of the world, but he went his own way. Monica did not have the words to persuade her very brilliant son to follow Jesus. His education and his mind far exceeded her own abilities. So what did she do? She prayed. She went to the Lord on her knees in prayer. She prayed and she prayed. She determined to never stop praying for her son. God heard those many prayers and saw her many tears. Near the end of her life, she was able to see her son, a man whom we've come to know as St. Augustine or Augustine, the man who became one of the most influential Christians in world history, came to faith. She saw it near the end of her life. And in his book, Confessions, one of the most widely read books in Christian literature, Augustine wept knowing that his mother for so many years wept for him, that he might come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. A remarkable answer to prayer, powerful thing that prayer is. All these stories can move our hearts so powerfully to not give up in prayer. However, in the day-to-day world, prayer is hard work, is it not? These stories are inspiring and encouraging, but it doesn't negate the fact that prayer is not easy. Devotion like Monica's is so inspiring because it's so rare. And difficult, right? Recently, I was going through my own old prayer journal that I started some 15 years ago or so, and I've not been super diligent of late, and that was part of why I was going back. I was like, Lord, I really need to be journaling more my, some of my prayers. And But I was amazed at how much, reading back some time ago, how much of a slog and how difficult seasons of my life were as I read them read about them there on the pages. When I flipped through it for a while, sometimes page after page was just hard stuff. Me sort of working through something, maybe even complaining, griping to God about difficulties, asking for more grace, more help. Here's one entry just to give you an example from June 6th, 2009. Quote, anxiety seems so difficult to escape these last few days. What lies ahead of me seems more daunting than ever, so much so that deciding what to eat for dinner 
can be stressful. Everything feels heavy and my road ahead impossible. My faith feels as though it is shriveling up. Oh God, please come. For your name's sake, help me, revive me, give me greater faith. Overcome my doubts. Jesus, without you I am doomed. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Psalm 34. End quote. But sometimes our prayers are more like that, right? Or even worse, even more in the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes they're more like that than they are about these glamorous stories that we like to talk about and hear and read about in books. But today, Jesus wants to give us some encouragement in our prayers. He wants to put some wind in our sails. He's going to say to us, keep going. I hear you. He's going to say to us, I'm with you. I love you. Don't give up. Persist in your prayers. Here's the big idea I want to try and get across today through the word. Because our God delights in giving good gifts to his children, we should always persist in our prayers. Because God delights in giving good gifts to his children, we should always persist in our prayers. Perhaps you, you hear this and you think, when you read that parable we just read about the persistent neighbor, the friend that comes in the middle of the night and banging on the door and aggravating the guy there that's asleep with his family. Perhaps you think the parable says that the friend doesn't want to help him. He says, don't bother me. Go away, basically. So what do you mean that the Lord delights to give good gifts to his children? This doesn't give me the impression that God delights to answer our requests. In fact, it seems like he's being irritated by them. What do you mean, Pastor? But this misses the point of the parable entirely. The point is what you see later on down in verse 13. If you, you who are evil can give a good gift, how much more can your heavenly Father give you all you need? The point is to say God's not like that. God's not irritated and aggravated. And if you who are irritated and aggravated and easily you know, fall into sin and temptation can give a good gift, how much more can your Father not do it? That's the big point right god is more even than a a friend to us he is our father right and this is what's nailed home too in this section he is our father just before the start of this parable about the persistent friend in the night the disciples asked jesus to teach them to pray and what jesus responded with would have been completely earth-shattering at the time. We read through it and just brush right by it. But no one ever prayed to God in this way, addressing him as Father before Jesus. And Jesus, in this story, invites them to join him in praying that way. He says, pray this way, our Father. Right? This is earth-shattering. This is a big deal. As followers of Jesus, we come to God not as an annoyed neighbor, right, or friend in the night. We come to him as his children. He is our father who delights to receive us and hear our prayers. And that's point number one. Because our God delights in his children, we should always persist 
in our prayers because he delights in his children. Don't give up. Keep coming to him. Notice how for point number one, I just replaced the words about giving gifts to his children with the word in. Doesn't just delight to give good gifts. He delights in his children. And the reason is because his delight in his children is more uh, basic, more fundamental than the giving of the gifts. The reason he delights to give good gifts to his children is because he delights in his children. The delight over us, his children, his followers, is greater even than the delight to give a gift. Zephaniah 3 verse 17 says that the Lord rejoices over his people with gladness. Is that, is that a striking image? God rejoicing over you. Maybe think of what you felt. Those of you who are parents or grandparents, what you felt when your child came into the world. That feeling of joy and amazement and delight. This is what God feels over his children. Psalm 147 verse 11 says that the Lord delights in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. He delights in us. And of course, we have many verses which speak of the love of God shown to us in the coming of Jesus and in his dying on the cross. This is the very reason God sent the Lord Jesus and he came willingly and laid down his life was because of his love and delight for his children. God loves his children. We should continually, therefore, come to God in prayer, knowing that he delights in us and to hear from us. That's point number one. Now for point number two, because our God has compassion on his children, we should always persist in our prayers because our God has compassion on his children. To understand this point, let's take a moment just to ponder a bit of what is happening in this little parable here, this parable that's right in the center of our passage today about the persistent friend who comes in the night and asking for bread. Even though the story seems straightforward enough, a little context might give us a better sense of what's actually happening here. <clears throat> One scholar named Dr. Simon Kistemacher tells us in his very helpful little book on the parables of Jesus that houses in Israel, especially those in rural uh, areas, were small, consisting of one room, which was used as a sitting room, a dining room, and, and a bedroom. The house would have had one door, and that door was left open during the day. But at night, when the sun had set, the door would be closed, and the head of the family would often slide a, wooden, a large wooden bar through rings on both the door and wall to keep out unwelcome intruders. For sleeping, mats would have been spread out and used as beds on which the family slept all in a row. If you were to have to get up in the night for something, just imagine this, right? Uh, would be difficult to navigate, especially before the invention of the light bulb, okay? So pitch black and you're trying to get out of bed and there's all sorts of people on the floor all around you, right? It would be difficult. The host, of course, wishing to abide by the customs and rules of hospitality of the time. This is the one coming to the to the friend, even though we're not sure if they were actually friends, coming to the friend in the night, knocking on his neighbor's door well past sundown at the midnight hour, wakes him up from his sleep. Again, there's all these cultural expectations. If someone comes to your door and into your home, 
you're going to put something before them uh, to eat. And he says in verses 5 and 6, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. Now, Kistemacher suggests that the word friend here is used possibly to attempt to discourage his neighbor from being upset with him <laughs> for such a bold act in the middle of the night. All right, this would have been very inconvenient. Friend, help me out. He's trying to soften the impact of what he's doing. He asks for three loaves of bread, and this might sound like a lot to us, right? We purchase, unless you've got a larger family, you probably purchase a loaf of bread to last you a week. Why three loaves of bread? This seems exorbitant. Are you really going to eat three loaves of bread, you and your, your guests? How is this visitor going to eat all this bread? But at the time, a loaf of bread was actually about the size of an average stone that you could hold in your hand. Three loaves was apparently about the size of a meal uh, for one person. So knowing the difficulty it would cause, the borrower gives his explanation to help the neighbor to understand the predicament that he's in, right? I need to put a meal, basically, before my, my guest. The traveler would be no doubt very weary from his journey, and providing refreshment was the obligation at the time of, of the host. Well, Kistemacher goes on to say that fresh bread would have been made in the morning hours and the neighbor could easily be repaid. That wasn't the issue. The issue was the timing of the request, right? So morning hours, this, this neighbor could make their own bread and repay uh, the person, but it's in the middle of the night. They've shown up. I don't have anything ready. The response, as we might expect, is fully natural. Not pleasant, not pleasant, right? The neighbor says, probably in a grumpy voice, don't bother me. <laughs> the door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up to give you anything. Again, given the way the sleeping arrangements would have been and challenges with lighting and finding a way to light the lamps and all that sort of stuff, you can see why this would have been so challenging. And in order to fulfill the request, he would have to get up, arouse his children, light the lamp, and find out what was needed, avoid tripping on things, open the door, removing the bar, and at midnight this was a lot to ask. But the host was insistent, the, the neighbor was insistent. We gather that he keeps banging on the door and banging on the door and banging on the door and won't give the man and his family peace. He knows he cannot return to his guest empty-handed. He and his community would be shamed by such a failure to show proper hospitality, as was the custom and expectation of the time. Much like in the parable of the unjust judge, which is a very similar parable to this one, where the widow continues to come to him to give her justice in a particular matter. You can read about that in Luke 18. But in that parable, persistence is the key. Jesus says here in this parable, again, verse 8, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of his friendship, Yet because of the man's persistence or impudence or uh, shameless boldness, I think is another translation, he will surely get up and give him as much as he needs. In the end, despite the serious inconvenience, the neighbor helps the friend out. He listens to his story and takes pity on him and shows him compassion. Shows him compassion. Wow, this guy is in a pretty rough spot. Even though it's really inconvenient, 
and annoying, I'm going to help. Jesus shares this story with us to encourage us to open our hearts to God, pour out our burdens to God. When you are in a tough spot, a really uncomfortable situation, an inconvenient spot, come to the Lord and explain what you need. Talk to him, appeal to his compassion. Even if your situation is a result of something foolish or wrong that you've done. It's not like he only hears us when we, you know, it's an understandable inconvenience, right? Something that was out of our hands. Even when we willfully, wrongly mess a situation up and we've got some trouble, we can go to the Lord and he will have compassion. Come to him and be real. Looking at the parable, we could say that perhaps this person knew their friend was coming and simply failed to prepare. That could be one conclusion, right? Maybe they knew. Well, Bill and Sally are coming tomorrow. I don't know exactly what time, but they're coming. And, uh, and they didn't do anything to prepare. So, Or maybe they forgot. Any of you ever forgot an appointment or something you've made? Yep. Go around the room. We've got our stories. We've all forgotten things. Who knows the backstory? Jesus leaves those details out. And what we're presented with is someone in need of help. And the neighbor, like God, shows compassion. Our God is full of compassion. And for this reason, we should never give up praying for the things our hearts are burdened about. Psalm 103, verse 13. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who Fear him. And this leads us to point number three. So we've seen that our God delights in us. We've seen that our God will show us compassion. He's full of compassion. And therefore, we should come to him over and over. Now, lastly, we will see that because our God has all we need, we should always persist in our prayers. Because our God has all we need, we should always persist in our prayers. The big thing that's taken for granted here in this parable is that the person who has run out of bread knows that the neighbor will have it. It's just assumed. Likewise, when we come to God in prayer, we can come knowing that whatever we stand in need of, our God can supply it. Our God not only can do exceedingly, abundantly more than we can ask or think, but he can supply all our needs out of his riches and glory in Christ. One of the things that this means for us is that we can come to God with bold requests. We can come with ridiculous, outlandish even requests from a, things that to us would seem absurd, perhaps from a human standpoint. We don't just come asking for bread in the night. We come and ask God for very great things. Bold things. Look at verse 8 again. If you've got your Bible, it'll be on the screen. Look at verse 8 with me again. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. In this verse, Jesus emphasizes the fact that the reason the person gets up in the night, it's not even because of friendship, but simply because of the neighbor's impudence. The NIV translates this as shameless audacity, which I like that. 
Some other translations have persistence. But the word impudence, however, basically means not prudent. It means reckless, um, bold, disrespectful even. Essentially, the host has risked his friendship with his neighbor in order to be faithful to the calling of hospitality. And Jesus is saying, because he was so bold, his request will be granted. Because he was so audacious, so bold, so persistent, his request will be granted. And is this not precisely what the scriptures command of us when it comes to prayer? Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us be bold before God in prayer. Let us ask big things, wild things, ridiculous things, bold things of God. And we can have confidence as we pray, not to an annoyed neighbor, but to our Father that He cares and has all we need. As if we needed another reason to be persistent in our prayers, we have yet one more. And this is where I want to close this morning. Unlike the host who went to the door alone in the night, alone in the night, went to this door, this awkward situation, we do not come to the Father alone. We come with one who has the Father's ear in every way. We come with one who is equal to the Father. We come with one who is no stranger to the Father. Not a neighbor to the Father or even just a friend. We come to the Father with the Son. The Son comes with us. He is there. The Son, Jesus Christ, is there with us to help us and meet us in our time of great need before the Father. In fact, it is the Son Himself who has given us these precious words that we're looking at this morning. He, better than anyone else, knows the heart of the Father. He's in a better position to tell us what the Father is like and who He is. And that's what He's doing here. And today He teaches us we are loved by the Father. That He shows compassion on us. That He delights in us. We should be bold, therefore, in our requests of God, knowing He has all we need. Let us, therefore, church, persist in our prayers and never, ever give up praying. Amen. Let's pray now as we transition to a song of response, which is going to talk about these things. We're going to sing about these things together. Let's pray. God, we come to you boldly, uh, not presuming upon our own goodness or our own merit, but only upon who you are and what you have done for us in Christ. We come with him, through him, to you. And we ask, Lord, that you would grant us all we need. Help us to not give up in our prayers, to persist in our prayers, to stay with it. To know, Lord, to cast aside any doubt about whether or not you love us or receive us or about whether or not you can do the thing that we're asking. Lord, we know you have all we need. So we come asking for more grace and more help, even in our prayers. Thank you for this word from the Lord, this word of encouragement. And I pray it really would encourage us 
that we wouldn't just finish the service and, and go about our way and, and then things continue on as normal. Lord, let us be changed this morning. Meet us, Holy Spirit. Take these words like a bomb and massage them, we pray, into our hearts. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.